I preached on discipline before. I don't think ever this many messages at one time. But um, the thing that's impressed me this time, I remember one time in Moody, Dr. William Smith, who uh, left Moody and went to Fuller Seminary and taught there many years. But I remember him so often saying, as he was teaching a book that he had taught many times, and it was very characteristic of William Smith, he would hit himself between the eyes with, with his hand, and he would exclaim before all of us, I never saw that before. I never saw that before. And he would give us some new insight that God had given to him out of the book that he was teaching. Well, I've been amazed how many times in my own life and ministry that that's been characteristic of my own experience. I've taught on discipline. I've believed in it. But I had never seen until this series how reverently God approaches the subject and how he honors those that he's about to discipline. I saw that in Hebrews 12 that I had never seen before. The tremendous respect, the honor, the dignity that God assigns to those that he's about to express discipline upon in some form. The very words and language of this chapter stresses that. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. As I saw this in Hebrews 12, my mind went to two other books of the Bible that are disciplined books. One is the book of Philemon. If you haven't read through the little book of Philemon, you ought to read through it. You want to understand discipline. Paul had a very strong word of instruction, discipline for Philemon. And yet, as you begin that book and read through it and work through it, you discover the tremendous respect, the highness of esteem that the Apostle Paul heaps upon Philemon before he speaks to him about the importance of his welcoming a runaway slave back no longer as a slave, but as a brother, much loved. And now Philemon has to make the adjustment between disciplining a runaway slave and welcoming a precious brother in Christ. It's very enlightening, the highness of esteem that Paul establishes for those to be disciplined. 
Then the Lord took my thinking to 1 Corinthians. Most of us are aware that the first letter to the Corinthians is a letter of discipline. He took those people uh, to the place of discipline over many problems. They were divided uh, into four party groups. They had severe problems of having a kind of passive attitude about the seriousness of sexual sin and uh, welcoming into their midst as though nothing were going on of a man who is living incestuously with his father's wife. They had uh, severe problems of um, eating meat offered to idols, going to court with each other and suing each other. Severe problems related to the Lord's table and even coming to it uh, and drinking to the point where some of them were drunk. There was terrible abuse of the gifts that God had given to the church. And yet as you read that book, the thing that just leaps out at you right from the opening chapter as he talks to these people as though they were the choicest people God had in all the earth. He addresses them as, as people called saints and the dignity and the kindness and the respect with which he administers discipline. And I'm convinced that that is one of the most urgent ingredients in parental discipline is how you communicate to your children that you deeply respect them, you hold them in highest esteem, you honor them, and you love them enough to discipline. And when we discipline our children that way, God is going to honor it, and they will honor us. We've come in our outline to the importance of clarifying the consequences for disobedience. I pointed out in an earlier message that Adam and Eve had a very clearly defined consequence even before the fall of what God expected of them in obedience and what the consequence would be if they did not obey him. And not only did Adam know it, but his wife knew it, as is revealed in that third chapter where Eve was tempted of Satan. Now tonight I would like to try to quickly go through these five points under discipline at the time of first offense, if you are following your outline. And let me share with you some of those very important elements that relate to the practical outworking of discipline. 
First of all, it is so important to get alone with your child when you discipline him. Do it with dignity and honor for his personal privacy and integrity. It always disturbs me when I see some parent spanking, roughly shaking, or treating his child in a public place before others. When that happens, you have violated a very important principle of discipline that I've just enumerated, and that is to treat your child with tremendous respect, sensitivity to his privacy. And the fact that you're not in any way wanting to humiliate him before others. You respect him too much for that. Seldom, if ever, discipline your child in public. It's all right when he's acting up wrongly in public to go and, and to say, we will talk later of this very firmly. And even if he continues to disobey your clear guidance of discipline, in fact, I saw a mother doing this just about a week ago, I think it was, where her child was acting in disobedience and public and defying her. Very quietly, I saw her take that little child into the privacy of one of the side rooms. And by the words that her child was saying, I knew that discipline was coming. And I know it did take place. But it was done in that integrity of, of the privacy, of um, uh, not being looked upon by others. I mentioned to you sometime back in one of these messages about the last spanking I received from my father when I was about 10, 10 and a half years of age. And um, my father uh, took me out to the back yard, back gate. It was outside, but he had instructed my other brothers not to come out and not to look out the window. What he had to do was between him and me. I'll never forget the depth of meaning that came between a father and a son. And the last spanking that my father gave me it was in privacy. It was alone. It was with honor to me. And that's the way it ought to be. The very principle <clears throat> taught in the word about discipline supports that. Another practical thing, when you discipline, Clarify the instructions. 
And this is so very, very important to find out if he really understood what you were saying. In fact, I think it's very important for you to ask him to repeat back to you what he understood the instructions to be so that there is clarity of responsibility on his part. If he didn't understand the instructions, then perhaps the discipline ought to be very mild. With the strengthened warning now, that now that he does understand, that there will be firm discipline should he violate the instructions at a future time. That's a strong biblical principle. Whenever God disciplined his people, uh, he clarified the instructions. I think one of the most evident places that comes out is a matter of discipline we mentioned before concerning when uh, Samuel went to Saul, where Saul had, had disobeyed the instructions concerning what was God's instruction to be done with the Amalekites. Let me just read these words, which help us to understand this clarifying of the instructions. Notice how Samuel did it in 1 Samuel 15, verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved and I have, that I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle? that I hear. Saul answered. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Notice what Samuel says. Stop. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you out on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? You notice that very carefully the instructions were clarified. And, of course, Saul was in violation of them by his own lips. So clarify the instructions. 
very important principle of discipline and honoring. It's not proper to discipline your child severely if he didn't understand what you were really asking him. He will resent your un unfairness. Point number three, convey grief for disobedience with eye-to-eye contact. I think that's such an important thing. Discipline to be effective has to be communication of, uh, of spirit to spirit. And somehow you have to convey grief that you're wounded. When God disciplined, he did it always like this. Eye-to-eye contact. You find it again in the case of, of um, David and Nathan. In When David had committed that grievous sin with Bathsheba. And Nathan came and told that little story about the sheep. And, and then he looked him right in the eye and he said, David, you're the one. You're the one. And God's terrible grief came through the prophet. David felt the hurt of God. He felt God's pain in that moment. Discipline to be effective has to have that spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. That you feel grief. That deliberate disobedience and rebellion has been expressed and it's wounded you. And in your love, it wounds you to have to discipline. Point number four, give only one warning before administering the divine, the uh, defined discipline. Now, I think that uh, all of us appreciate one warning. But it's very important to give only one before you administer it. Failure to do this will lead your child to conclude that your words are not sure that they're negotiable. And this was, of course, uh, David's problem in disciplining his sons. It was not really carried out. Nothing really happened except he got angry. There's no appropriate discipline. And when he did discipline, of course, it was his son Absalom who was so brutal, so long-lasting, so non-reconciling that it made an enemy of his son, turned his son's discipline into bitterness and hatred of his own father and a desire to take the kingdom from him. So it's important to give a warning before administering the divine, the 
a defined discipline, but to give only one and then to follow through. And the final point is be prepared to follow through on biblical discipline. Now that's an important uh, statement. Be prepared to follow through on biblical discipline. Be careful what you plan to do to discipline. Be careful that it's either biblical from direct biblical command or biblical instruction, or at least it's in harmony with biblical principles. Bill Gothard, in sharing this outline with us, mentioned um, a little boy who was disobedient to his mother. And his mother said, you do that again and I'll throw you out the window. And uh, he did it again. And Bill Gothard said, my mother threw me out the window. <laughs> right into a snowbank. Well, his point was that it probably was not in the spirit of this statement. Be prepared to follow through on biblical discipline. Now, what is biblical discipline? Well, the most obvious is spanking. That is a strong instruction in the book of Proverbs to use the rod to discipline. But I think we need to have some parameters in this matter of spanking. First of all, it should never be on the face. Never slap your child in the face. Remember, we were talking about respect for the dignity of the person. There's no greater insult to any person than to be slapped in the face. Even if you're the parent, there's great harm to that person when you do that. Never in anger. Spanking is very serious business. But it's not something that should be administered when you're full of anger. You might hurt your child if you do that. If you don't hurt him physically because your anger is so vented up, you beat him instead of spank him. Or it's possible that just your anger has wounded your child emotionally and in his spirit to the point where the spanking will not produce anything but resentment. Never to injure the body. I think God is, has given us a well-padded area that's... Um, capable of experiencing sufficient pain without uh, any injury to the body. And uh, we need to remember to be careful that spankings are 
administered in the proper place, sufficiently painful to be remembered, but not to be injurious to the body. And I personally feel spanking should not be administered to teenagers. I'm not saying that's an absolute hard and fast rule, but I think that the Bible recognized that when a child reached 12 years of age, he was an adult. And I think that um, there are other ways to discipline after our children get to be teenagers other than spanking. And uh, never without restoring. We should not spank our children without, uh, if not immediately, very quickly, holding them in our arms lovingly and comforting them. Discipline, if it's administered properly, hurts you as much as it hurts your child. It's wonderful when restoration can take place. What are other biblical forms of discipline? I think to withhold privileges is a very important biblical principle of discipline. For a defined period, never withhold what is profitable and desirable. You wouldn't discipline your child by saying you're going to withhold the privilege of him going to church or the youth group. That's where he ought to be. There are other kinds of privileges that can be withheld. Never withhold going to camp where indeed your child may gain Tremendous spiritual benefit. Never something that is harmful in withholding. I don't think it's wise to withhold food from your child or withhold rest from your child. Those are not proper things to withhold because they can be harmful uh, to the child. Another um, good form of discipline is to assign unpleasant tasks. Um, I told you about my daughters being a part of a race over the tops of the pews in the church I pastored. And my daughter wanted me to, or um, was afraid I was going to give them a spanking, but I didn't. I gave them a job of, weeding my flower garden and keeping a pile of their weeds that each one of them took out of the flower garden. And that was a long, hot job. And I think probably one of the best disciplines I ever gave to my children. It can be other things like washing the windows, cleaning the garage, doing something may be unpleasant, but as long as that child understands it's a discipline, it's a good one. Then assign a necessary profitable study that will benefit the one being disciplined. I think uh, one of the best disciplines you can assign 
is a study of the book of Proverbs on different different subjects. Uh, might be something like honoring your parents or honoring people in authority. I think one of the best studies that any of us can ever make is to read through the book of Proverbs and compare um, what God says are the marks of a wise person as opposed to the marks of a foolish person. And have your child make a list in every chapter of uh, what God says is wise and what God says makes a foolish person. Now that's somewhat of a rigorous discipline to do that. But when your child finishes it and when you hold him accountable, he'll never forget the difference between a wise person and a foolish person according to God's definitions. So we need to be creative in our manner of discipline to follow through on biblical discipline. And God will use it greatly in the lives of your children, just as he uses it greatly in our own lives. God disciplines every one of us. And we need to be aware of that and alert of it at all times. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how good it is to just talk about some of these practical matters now as we've looked at some of the great biblical principles behind discipline, now to talk about some of the practical outliving of discipline in the home and family. So we pray that you'll encourage us together. We would ask you, Lord, to give us all a good attitude toward discipline. Teach us how to respond to the discipline of our God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.